Hey, this is Brian Jensen, and you're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. And today, I'm speaking with Chris Cassidy, a photographer and filmmaker from New York. And uh, Chris has worked on several documentaries, the most notable of those being a film called Side by Side, in which he was the cinematographer working alongside Keanu Reeves, who produced the documentary. Now, Chris uh, also directs documentaries of his own, and they're typically music-related. He has uh, a really interesting music doc in the works slated for release later this year called Dennis and Lois, which I've seen the teaser for, and uh, I think it's fantastic. I predict great things for this film. So, uh, Chris, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. You know, before we get into your songs, I've got your song list here. And, you know, why don't we start off um, by talking a little bit about your upcoming film, Dennis and Lois. Okay, so uh, so Dennis and Lois are, are a couple um, based out of New York that are, I would have to say, maybe the most hardcore super music fans that are out there, mm-hmm. um, maybe in existence. They've been uh, going to shows and following their favorite bands around for the past 40 plus years. And when I mean follow them around, I mean like, you know, hit the road, drive to Colorado, follow the bus, follow, you know, they they really do it full tilt. Yeah. When they jump on a tour and follow someone, it's, it's with the utmost love and dedication. And uh, yeah, they're, they're just, uh, they're an interesting couple. And their life is, is I think, a life that a, a lot of us dream to live. Mm-hmm. If we had the time and the, <laughs> and the money to, to, to just follow our favorite artists around. Um, but yeah, they've been doing this for quite a while. And uh, I thought uh, when I met them seven years ago, I thought, wow, like what a great life. What an interesting, uh, you know, s- slant on uh, how to go through life together as a couple. And I just started hearing all the stories and I was just said, these guys would make a really great documentary interesting enough and just the stories alone and the bands they're in touch with and related to and yeah that's that's kind of what started it and then i just started following them around i've gone on a couple of tours with them and and uh just kind of like document doing what they do and that's uh, how i wound up here yeah so so how did you where which show which show did you meet them at i actually met them at a mecon show in new york city they were selling merch for the Mekons, and that's one of their things. They sell merch for bands. Um, not not every band they go see, but uh, they started their whole career by selling merch for the Ramones. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a whole story in itself. Um, but yes, I met them the night of the Mekons show. Uh, I was with a musician friend who introduced me, and I got talking to them, and uh, I realized slowly that they are the Dennis and Lois from the famous Happy Mondays song. So I was a big Happy Mondays fan back in the 90s. And uh, Pills, Thrills, and Bellyaches, they're, they're probably their biggest record came out. And uh, track six is, is called Dennis and Lois. And I always wondered who Dennis and Lois was, just being a fan. I'd seen the Mondays a bunch, and I knew all the songs. And, you know, sometimes you just wonder who a song is written about or why, and especially if it has, right, when it has a name in it, like, you know, Sweet Jane or whoever, you know, whatever. You, wow, I wonder who these people are, you know. And when I met them that night, I actually said to them, are you the Dennis and Lois? And they kind of laughed, and they said, yeah, that's us. And, and people say that to them. Are you the Dennis and Lois? People that are familiar with the song. And uh, 
Yeah, and that was the night I met him. And that's I, after I left them, I took their contact info and I started to think about it and said, you know what? This could be a good idea. It's right in my wheelhouse. I'm a big music fan. Uh, a lot of my documentary work is music related. Um, so, yeah. I think it's a great idea. As I said uh, in your intro, you know, you were kind enough to share the teaser with me, which is not public. I think this is fantastic. And it, I'm a big documentaries guy. I've seen a ton of them, as you can imagine. And I think this one's going to be really great. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's exciting. What's really cool about it, look, looking at it now as it's uh, as it's coming together, and, and uh, it, it's almost like all these bands that are in the film, and the, and there's a, I mean, I have a lot of artists in this film uh, mm-hmm. that, that that they call their friends um, that they've been following, and everyone from Peter Hook uh, to the Mekons to A Place to Bury Strangers to the Vaccines to Black Rebel Motorcycle Club to the Mondays to Badly Drawn Boy, like all these artists, they all seem like they're fans of Dennis and Lois. It's almost like a reversal it's like a reversal situation. Like how often are these fans fans of people of fans? That's amazing. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. kind of interesting. So the the love comes through. You can just tell like they've touched all these artists in a kind of interesting takeaway that I that I've recently discovered. Yeah. Uh, and they've been doing it for 40 years. 40 years. Wow. So they cl- they claim to have uh, over ten thousand shows under their belt. Oh, I, yeah. yeah, I imagine. Wow. So, yeah, that's a lot. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm sure you've been to a lot of concerts. I've gone to concerts my whole life. It's I can't crack a number of ten thousand. No, for sure. no, nowhere near that, my friend. <laughs> so it's pretty hardcore to say the least. Yeah. Well, so so so, Chris, when can we expect the uh, documentary to, to be out there? So we're we're hoping to finish this film this fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're actually going to run a Kickstarter campaign, um, which is about to drop or has dropped by the time this aired. And uh, it's really to kind of raise some money for finishing costs. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of the bands uh, making commitments to share, share the Kickstarter link on social media. So that's good. The outreach will be really big some of the things that we need to get covered or we need to finish animations and get some uh, music covered and, and color correct and, and all those things that go along with making the film kind of look great and sound great. I've been self-funding it up until this day. So um, I thought, why not, you know, try to get some assistance out there from the, uh, the music community. Uh, Cause I think that the story will resonate with a lot of people. It's about, People that it's about two people that love music that have dedicated their lives to the music they love, and I think a lot of people can relate to that. I certainly can. There's no question. And and they're and they're lovable characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I definitely get that from what I've seen yeah. for sure. You can uh, add my name to that list. We'll get your uh, your Kickstarter campaign hooked up on my website, and uh, I I, I want to get behind this too. Thank yeah. you. Okay, so uh, would you like to get into your tunes, Mr. Cassidy? Sure. All right. Yeah, let's let's give it a shot. All right. So so the first song that you've got here is uh, by the Ramones, and it's called Blitzkrieg Bop. Yes, it is. So their whole story started with the Ramones, and I thought it was uh, appropriate to at least uh, give a nod to the great, great Ramones. Yes, for sure. Uh, it, it's it's very interesting. Since working for the Ramones, since since that all happened, every band that they've met from there on in, as you can imagine, were completely kind of wowed and impressed by the status of being 
an early Ramones uh, friend and fan and employee. So it is like part of their credentials. Um, and it does have an effect. Everyone is just like, holy cow, they worked for the Ramones. It's one of the like, it's one of the first talking points that everyone is just shocked at and, and really impressed with. So uh, to set that up, their first date was at CBGB's. Okay. And they kind of walked into this world. They were both curious. And on their first date, just to, just to paint a picture, the show was Richard Hell, Television, and the Talking Heads. Wow. Yeah. All on stage in one night. Lou Reed is there playing pool <laughs> while this is going on. Wow. And, they're big, and, and they said, who do you look at? I mean, what, yeah. do you look at any one of those bands or do you watch Lou Reed playing pool? Because like it was just <laughs> like a total surreal situation. And... Uh, they just became CB's regulars, and from then, and then the Ramones entered. So uh, they just became right away into the Ramones. Yeah. Every show, just like diehards, up front, uh, show after show, they fell in love with the Ramones. They couldn't believe what was kind of happening in front of them. They knew how special it was, and then they started following the Ramones around, and they they drove to a show. A Ramon show in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. at a pizzeria, okay. and the show lasted twenty minutes. As yeah. you know, Ramon shows are short. Songs oh yeah. Are short. Yeah, they're like you know full of just fire and energy, and and it's over. And the Ramones looked at them and they were like, "What are you doing here? You drove this far <laughs> for us?" Like, and they just realized they were either super crazy or just super dedicated. And, and that kind of cemented them uh, a little bit closer into the, the inner circle. Uh, and, then, uh, and then shortly after that, they, they became friends with everyone in the band. And Arturo Vega, who is the graphic designer for the Ramones and uh, artist, and some people refer to him as say, maybe the fifth Ramon. He was the guy that uh, kind of housed housed Joey and Dee Dee at some point and lived right next to CB's and every pre-show I think would wind up over at Arturo's kind of getting prepared but Arturo Vega was at the time created Ramon's t-shirts but he was also the light guy he was doing the lights for the show yep. so they would just watch Arturo running back and forth he'd sell merch and then he'd go change the lights and then he'd run back to the merch and then he'd go put more lights on and and they just said to him one day, we can help you. Why don't we just watch your T-shirts while you do the lights and, you know, you don't have to go so crazy. And at that point, he knew them and was like, they got their merch selling job. And that was really kind of the birth of Dennis and Lois. Wow. Yeah. And shortly after that, they're on tour and they're going to England with the Ramones. And so they were knighted by Arturo Vega and, uh, and the Ramones. Yeah, I don't know what I would do if I walked into CBGB's and saw Lou Reed playing pool. And, and, and <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's pretty wild. That's they a, great, that's a like, great story. Yeah, and the, the way they put it, too, they said, like, he was like, it was like something right out of, like, central casting for, like, that that sort of a period and, and like, like that look of a, of a rock star and in 70. Six or seventy-five, whenever it was. Oh yeah. This guy was just like you know, cigarettes and like in rolled up in the the t-shirt sleeve, and yeah. he just he just looked great. Probably had glasses on, and it's like was perfect looking. Uh, you know, Lou Reed. Yeah, this is the archetypal cool. rock and roller for sure. Yeah. Wow, yeah. So. very cool. Yeah, so they've seen a lot from from early on. Sounds know. like it. Yeah. Okay, so how about the. Uh, Mekons, so we've got, uh, the song is called Where Were You? 
Yes. Where Were You is in the dock right now, and it kind of is an upbeat song. It's a, it's a great song. It, it has a very slow build, and it, and it gets to a point where it's like super heavy and fast. And I just used that in the documentary to really just display the magnitude of shows they've been to. That's This is where we would reveal the... Uh, the 10,000 show number. Okay. Uh, and it's also loaded with uh, celebrity, you know, musician endorsements of, mm-hmm. of their dedication and their gumption and, and whatnot. So great song, but more than that, they are very good friends of Dennis and Lois. They were pretty much the second band. The second band that they got to know were the Undertones, Yeah. who they met on the Ramones tour. But shortly after that, they met John Langford, who uh, is the, is one of the singers of the Mekons, mm-hmm. and he had a band called Three Johns, and they got really close with Three Johns. They met the Mekons shortly after that. So, as the Mekons were coming to the states, and the Mekons, if you're not familiar with them, there's probably 15 members of the band. Oh, it's I didn't know that. Oh, Mekons are a big band, yeah. So if you can imagine all of them coming over and crashing at Dennis and Lois's apartment, so they had <laughs> the couches were full. And the floors were full, and uh, they quickly became very good friends, and to this day are still very close. And, and one of the funny, funny stories in, in the doc is uh, so, so Dennis and Lois, they had they had this van for years that had all the mileage on it from going to these shows, and there's a lot of stories related to the van with all the artists in there. But they had Ramon's license plates for years for the first three or five years they've had Ramon's license plates and they kept getting stolen. Every time they would park the car in New York City, the plates would be gone. It just started to become kind of a pain in the butt. And at that time, they were really into the Mekons as well. So they put Mekons plates on their van. And, and John Langford loves to say that, you know, and those ironically never got stolen. It's <laughs> <laughs> a joke. Because the, the Mekons have, are a great legendary band, but have never reached commercial status. And uh, and I think they like it that way, in a way. But yeah, so their, their current license plate on their van, which uh, they have a different car now, but they... Uh, they still drive around with Mekon's plates, and that's how you know dear to their hearts they are. So, so Chris, your next song here is by the Happy Mondays, and and you, you touched on it earlier. I love the song. It, it is from Pill Thrills and Belly Aches. I think it came out in 1990, and the song is called Dennis and Lois. It's perfect. Yep. Uh, are you familiar with it? I knew the, with that track? Yeah, yeah. I, I knew the Happy Mondays um, from the late 80s. They just have that right. very kind of bouncy, you know, alternative pop 80s sound almost. And, and you know, it's interesting because I, I, I didn't know who Dennis and Lois were, obviously, before I'd met you. So yeah. uh, so this was a learning for me. Yeah, so what wound up happening is uh, Dennis and Lois started hanging out with a lot of musicians from Manchester. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, the Mekons have directed them in that direction. And then, then they were friends with New Order. And then... Uh, the damned and all, all these other bands but they wound up kind of spending a lot of time in manchester england and they still do it is probably their second home if not you can call it even their first home i i think that they would love to be there all the time to tell you the truth but they actually live here and all their belongings are here but they're they're back in manchester all the time so manchester music to them is english music in general to them i think is is they prefer more than American music. They've just gravitated towards uh, all these English bands, and I'm not quite sure what it is about these Manchester bands. 
I keep hearing a lot about a similarity between Mancunians and uh, New Yorkers, and it probably has a lot to do with it. Um, but anyway, they, they've, they've taken a strong liking to Manchester bands, and Happy Mondays come along, and uh, they've obviously made a huge mark in, in music history. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, that was, when that was happening, they were kind of determined, when they want to meet a band, they, they do calculate just slightly. I don't want to say that it's like a full calculation, but they kind of know the right things to do to get to meet a band and mm-hmm. put themselves in a position to meet a band. They met the Mondays outside of the venue. I think I think they were playing in Boston. I think it was a US tour of the Mondays and it was probably in the late 80s. And they positioned themselves outside the venue doors between the bus and the venue and they both had Frank Sidebottom shirts on. Yeah. Now Frank Sidebottom is is kind of this um, indie uh, cult character TV star in England and he wears this big paper mache head and he's got this music and this personality and, and, and a lot of people grew up knowing who Frank Sidebottom was over there. Real character, like real like over the top um, entertainer that has a shtick. And Dennis and Lois are sitting outside the Monday's venue next to the bus and they have these Frank Sidebottom shirts on. Now they know that when the Mondays come out, someone is going to see that shirt and they're in Boston in the States and they're going to be like, how the heck do you know Frank Sidebottom? <laughs> exactly. And Dennis and Lois are true fans of Frank. So they would wear the shirts anyway. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's, it's up for debate whether it was calculated or not. But of course the Mondays come out. Of course they walk over. Of course they start a conversation. Next thing you know, they're on the tour bus. No. Yeah. Next thing you know, they're <laughs> hanging out. Next thing you know, they're probably, you know, smoking spliffs. And yeah. next thing you know, they are <laughs> on the inner circle. And That's so great. they just stayed in touch with them and followed them everywhere. So they become tight with the Mondays. And the Mondays are about to record Pills, Thrills, and Belly Aches. And I don't want to give this all away because it's a great part of the film. But the Mondays are in L.A. And for some reason, they couldn't find party favors. Dennis and Lois from New York supply the Mondays with all the smoking paraphernalia they need to get through the recording of Pills, Thrills, and Belly Aches. And everything works out seamlessly and by the time the record comes out, Dennis and Lois go to the newsstand to look at the enemy, yep. the announcement of the record, and song six is Dennis and Lois. That's great. And they wound up dedicating a song to them. Wow. For everything that they've done. And it was just a shock to, to Dennis and Lois, and, and they were just beside themselves. And yeah. That's an incredible story. They expected a thank you, but they got way more than a thank you. What that song has done, it has put them kind of on this other level of, I don't know, not Notoriety. Fame. Yeah, notoriety. People know that name, yeah. like I did when I met them. And especially in Manchester, there aren't many people that don't know the name Dennis and Lois. And when they go to shows, they get taken care of. They are like on that status, because the Mondays were so big. They get hooked up wherever they go. Wow. Yeah, and... uh it's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Something else that came out of the song was Spin Magazine did a comic strip on them. Because the name became on, on people's radar at that point. And someone at Spin thought it would be a great little comic to pitch to their editor on the life on the road and the war stories of Dennis and Lois. So there's a great comic 
that came out in Spin about them, which John Langford from the Mekons did the artwork. It, it's really great. So that's also featured in the documentary as well. Wow. These folks are a lot more popular than a lot of people might know. Yeah. You, look, there's a good chance if you're in New York or Manchester that you've seen them at shows. You know, they're, they're there. You, you kind of can't miss them. Um, they're, they're, right now, they're, they're uh, on the older side, uh, and they stand out. And they're not afraid to go to shows and, and be in the mix. Yeah. I've been at shows in Brooklyn at, at, uh, at Death by Audio to see A Place to Bury Strangers. And Dennis and Lois are right up front. Off to the side, but yeah. really on the fringe of every mosh pit and dangerous situation for kids. They're right in the mix. And it's they not are, like they're 21, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. They live like they're 21. It's, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. They sleep in their car. You know, they go on tours. They wind up pulling over, sleeping on the road. and That, that is not incredible. All the time, but they've, yeah, they've slept in cars. and Yeah. The whole ethos behind that is is just so fascinating to me i yeah. i just think it's great yeah it's a it's a my it's a mindset that i just can't relate to you know yeah it's their it's their everyday thought and it's their gumption at this age to get up and go yeah it's impressive it really is yeah. so next to chris you've got uh, a band called fat white family and the song is called whitest boy on the beach and it's kind of ironic because these guys are probably the thinnest collection of individuals I've ever seen, actually. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Yeah. The, the reason Fat White Family is, is mentioned uh, in this segment is it, it, it's it's probably their latest, like, band crush. Okay. So every, you know, it's funny. I thought I was going to be done with this film uh, three bands before Fat White Family. Okay. Uh, there's always... Uh, you know, documentaries take a while to, to make. But every time I'm trying to kind of wrap something up, uh, someone new comes along. First of all, I just have to say that their taste in music is just impeccable. They 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 basically, I think, have missed their calling because they could have been A&R people. Yeah, exactly. Out, yeah, picked out, like, you know, who was going to be great and who, who wasn't. They really know good music. And uh, they've turned me on to this band, Fat White Family. And I've gone to see them with them. And uh, they've traveled now to see them uh, over to England and all the all the dates in the U.S. on the East Coast they've done. And they're just a bunch of young kids that are rowdy, wild, and super talented. Sound like The Fall a little bit, which is one of Dennis's favorite bands. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's quite a buzz about them. They're the type of band where you kind of don't know what's going to happen when you go see them. You know those bands? You know those bands that you go and just like anything can happen? Oh, um, yeah. You know, I felt like Jane's Addiction back in the day was kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, you just didn't know what to expect. The replacements yeah. always can kind of put on a crazy show. And and, uh, and that's exciting. And I was just going to say that. that. That's, that's super exciting. I love that. They're into that. They're into things that are not kind of straightforward and totally normal. Um, and the Mondays were, were one of those types of bands, too, and the fall. So, yeah, Fat White Family is a good band. They're out of London. They're not a Manchester band, but they do make exceptions. And, uh, and yeah, they, they love them. So they're kind of the newest. It's ever-evolving, man. It doesn't, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't stop. The bands get younger, and they just but, get more and more into it. It, it kind of sounds like the bands are making them younger, you know? Yeah. 
Oh, well, I'll tell you what. It, they definitely are keeping them going. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. as long as there's like that that good music out there, and as long as it keeps coming out, they'll keep going. Yeah. And they need they need that they need that to keep going. Actually, I kind of feel that way about those two. You know, I think that this music is 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 instrumental in keeping them young. And it would be interesting, you know, if they one day just said, you know, we we're getting on and we shouldn't do this anymore. It probably would be to their detriment. Yeah. You it know. would. Uh, the film does touch on that. Mm. You know, they are slowing down. They're definitely older, and it's not as easy to get up and go. But I think the alternative of sitting home and not going, mm-hmm. not being out there and not hearing it, uh, I think that's worse. So yeah. th- they really push themselves to get up and go, and they go through great lengths to do that. And I think it's really the the key to to, to their um, longevity, actually. Yeah. And the new bands that come along, you're right. Oh, so I have to tell you one other thing about Dennis and Lois. They collect uh, they collect memorabilia from bands, music memorabilia, and they collect toys okay. like you've never seen. They have their house is filled with toys from floor to ceiling. You go upstairs in their house, and they, there's a, a one room that is dedicated to Batman. There's one room that's Spider-Man. There's one room that's The Simpsons. Wow. They have SpongeBob bathroom. The whole basement is Star Wars. The whole kitchen has the cabinets in the kitchen where you would normally see food are dioramas of Pee-wee's Playhouse, <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark. So wow. their house is basically like a museum. So when these bands come over and stay, yeah. they all get a kick out of it. Yeah. And they're just like, can't believe their surroundings. And it's funny, I have a few of the band members of different different artists saying that they've stayed in these different rooms, Batman room and Spider-Man room and whatnot. And in the middle of the night, a toy would kind of go off and say something weird in the corner of the room and they'd wake up <laughs> to death like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> yeah, so there's all these stories about the house. But some of their rock and roll memorabilia is just worth a mention. So their pride possession is uh, Joey Ramone's jeans. Nice. So they have a pair of Joey's jeans that are tattered and and beat up and holes everywhere and they're prominently uh displayed in 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 the ramones hallway along with Dee's jacket and along with uh various postcards from the ramones johnny would send them postcards signed as the ramones also there is a telegram from joey ramone because he needed a ride to the doctor so he sent them a telegram which i had never seen a telegram in my life but he added, they sent him them an official telegram. And they have all sorts of knickknacks and, and different rock and roll shirts and picks and sticks. And, and then they have things like Black Rebel Motorcycles boots, yeah. Robert's boots. And then they have one set of one pair of socks from all the gay bikers on acid when they went on tour. <laughs> they had asked them to send them something from the tour and they sent their dirty socks. <laughs> Prominently displayed in the bathroom. Also in the bathroom is Joe Strummer's towel that he blew his nose in at a show in Brooklyn. Oh, nice. So they say they have Joe's DNA. And uh, yeah, they're just kind of kooky, crazy collectors and characters. And I think that everyone, it's a a fun part of the doc and I think people will really enjoy it. Sounds Uh, like seeing uh, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, this is quite quite the little emporium they've got there. They're, they're dedicated, huh? To, yeah. To, to every every way they everything they're into, they go full tilt. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. 
Okay, Cass, one more tune you've got here. It's uh, I, I love this band. They didn't last long, um, but they had this really uniquely classic sound. They're called uh, the Bog Men, and the song you've got here is called Oceans Apart. Yeah, so the Bog Men are very dear friends of mine. Oh. Uh, I've actually, yeah, I've actually made a documentary about the Bog Men. And yes, you're right. They are were super talented. Uh, they did not get the fair shake that they should have. Mm-hmm. They signed... Uh, they signed to Arista Records um, in the 90s when everyone seemed to be signing uh, alternative acts just because they felt like they had to after Nirvana. And the Bogmen wound up signing to Arista, which is basically an R&B label, and Clive Davis just had to sign somebody, and it wound up, in hindsight, being the wrong place. They put out two great records. Um, anyway, very dear friends of mine, very talented guys, and they still get together and play probably once a year, twice a year sometimes. And they still have a diehard audience and crowd that comes out for them. And they're starting to record some new music. But the connection with Dennis and Lois is really my connection to Dennis and Lois. So when I met Dennis and Lois at that show, I was with a member of the Bogmen. The Bogmen are very close to Dennis and Lois. Okay. Uh, They really take care of Dennis and Lois when they sell merch. Um, they find it one of the more pleasurable uh, outings to go to. They make sure that Dennis and Lois get fed. They make sure that Dennis and Lois get some beers. They get paid. Because a lot of the merch selling to, to Dennis and Lois has always not been about the money. It's really been about helping the bands. But I think, you know, there are some bands that like to help them, too. And, and the Bogmen are certainly one of them. They treat them royally. And, uh, and, it, and it's just my connection to the Bogmen. So I wanted to put that on the list as uh, kind of a, a wrap-up. They're, they're a special group of guys, and, and Dennis and Lois love them dearly and vice versa. Uh, if you go see the Bogmen, you're going to probably see Dennis and Lois selling shirts like they always did. I was actually just going to ask you that. So I didn't know that they were still playing occasionally. Do they play in New York City? They do, yeah. They played last December. They'll do a New York City show once a year, yeah. I'm coming and down there, man. Jewish. They did a Boston show last year, too. Uh, this is a Canadian show, right? They they toured with Bare Naked Ladies. They toured with uh, Shane McGowan. Oh, they wow. toured with Kiss, believe really? it or not. That's a weird Kiss. pairing. Isn't that crazy? The guy the, the guy who signed them was really good friends with Doc McGee, who managed Kiss. And wow. They put, they put the Bogman on a Kiss tour, <laughs> <laughs> which is just the craziest. I mean, they got booed. Like, they got oh, yeah. Them. Yeah. <laughs> It made them uh, tougher, you know. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, so they still play. You should try to catch them. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, I, I, I want to come down and, uh, and yeah. catch them. I didn't know they're still out there, so. Yes, yeah. I, I will let you know. Okay, so uh, that is the end of your list, my friend. Thank you very much. Those are some great stories. I uh, I learned a lot, but man, you know, I, I now I just I can't wait to see this film. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I, hopefully, hopefully it's well-received. I think it's... Uh, it's pretty interesting, and it's got uh, it's loaded with kind of fun little bits like that, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Is there any other information that we need relative to you know the Kickstarter campaign or anything else that you want to talk about? Um, not really. Nope. I think the Kickstarter campaign is 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 live as this airs, mm-hmm. and uh, we're gonna run that. We're gonna you know Kickstarter also is acts as a, a PR platform too, so it'd be nice to have. Um, 
the trailer out there, and it would be nice to have, uh, hopefully get some press. You know, we're gearing up to probably a festival submission in early 2018 festival release. So Awesome. Yeah, we're pretty excited about it. It's a fun doc. If you're a music lover, it's a really fun doc. Yeah, I, it's, it's, I will definitely yeah. be seeing it. So yeah. uh, I recommend highly that, uh, that people keep an eye out for it. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on. Very much appreciated. Thank you for being on, my friend. I appreciate yeah. it. And, and thanks, yeah. for all the, thanks for all the stories. It's, it's been a great chat. All right. Thanks, Brent. All right. So this has been No Sleep Till Sudbury with Brent Jensen and Mr. Chris Cassidy. Until next time, take good care. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide.